Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Wow, it's such an honor to be here standing in front of you with the Word of God. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little nervous, uh, as you can see, but I'm excited about the Word. And I believe no matter who preaches the word, whether it's Fusi or Harold or Lijo, you know, God would convey his message to the church. Who believes it? Amen. So today I would like to ask a little bit of audience participation. So if you feel God is speaking to you, you can give him a shout of praise. And I'm sure God won't be offended, and I certainly wouldn't be. Right. Okay, so let's get into the scripture. So we have been following the series of the book of Nehemiah. So today we are in chapter 6. Uh, Joel kicked us off in the first week talking about the historic context and, you know, where ne Nehemiah started. Last week we heard about the various conflicts that he had to face. So today we are at chapter 6. Uh, can, I, uh, can I request uh, Prim to come forward to and, and read the scripture for us? Thank you. Nehemiah chapter 6. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hekephirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall, and according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, Should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced a prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. So they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. 
So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Jehohanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Wow. What a great chapter it is, isn't it? it Nehemiah started a journey in uh, chapter 1 of the book of Nehemiah, and in chapter 6, it starts off by saying he reached the end of the journey. He, he made it to the finish line. So there are many people who start off fantastic projects, you know, you do great things, who start off really, really well, but they don't quite make it to the finish line. So Nehemiah was one of those people who made it to the finish line. So Today, my uh, message is uh, called st Standing Your Ground. So what we'll be looking at today is what are those factors that enabled Nehemiah to make it to the finish line? The first and foremost, most important thing that we have to know is Nehemiah was someone who understood his mission. He knew his mission. Because what happens is when you start a journey, you, you go halfway through and then you forget where you started and why you are doing what you're doing. But Nehemiah, when you look at chapter 1 and chapter 2 and even in chapter 6, he precisely knew what he was doing. He was building the wall. He did not deviate from that. You know, he had to face a lot of issues along the way. He had to deal with a lot of conflicts, as we heard last week. I mean, he had to lot of, face a lot of issues, internal and external issues. But none of them deviated him from his mission. You know why? Because he knew what his mission was. See, this is a very important thing. You know, when God has put something in you, you have to really sit and spend time in God's presence to understand what God has called you into. Nehemiah was that man, although he was leading a very comfortable life, you know, he had all, uh, all the luxuries in life, you know, he was having, you know, the, um, he was a very influential man, he had power, he was in the court, he was in the palace of the king, he had a very comfortable life, he had nothing to worry about. But deep inside him, he knew that God has called me for something greater. You know, Dubai, it's a city where, you know, we all are busy. We all are having a very busy lifestyle. But do we stop for a moment and ask, God, what did you call me for? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a businessman. I'm a CEO. I'm a CIO. I'm doing a lot of things. But God, what did you call me for? Nehemiah was that man who asked that question, what did God call me for? He was very much aware of the calling upon his life. This is what God is trying to tell us today, church. God has called you here for something much more than what you're doing right now. Amen. As a city group in young professionals, where are the young professionals? Give it a shout. There you go. Right, so in young, in young professionals, we have been doing a course on purpose-driven life. If you haven't read the book, it's a fantastic book. You, sh you should read it. It digs into the details of, you know, God's purpose about your life. Your you were born where you were born. You're here in Dubai. You're doing what you're doing. You're born to the parents that you're born to. You know, you're born in the country where you're born in because of a purpose. God has a specific purpose about your life. You're different from your siblings. You're different from your friends. You're very unique in yourself. 
Because God has got a unique purpose about your life. And when you discover that unique purpose, no one is going to be able to stop you. Amen. How many of you believe it? Nehemiah was a man who understood his mission. He understood his mission. He was on his knees, although he was in, in, in the palace, although he had everything he needed, he was on his knees asking God, God, what, do you, what did you call me for? And he embraced the mission. And there he goes on the mission. Praise the Lord. So the other thing interesting about Nehemiah's life is he tuned into something, you know, that, was, that has to do with his mission. He was very carefully observing what was going down in Jerusalem. Although he was in the luxurious palace of Persia, he was very much concerned about what was going on in Jerusalem. Let me ask you this question. While you are in Dubai, while you're enjoying all that God has given you, are you concerned about what's happening in the kingdom of God? We had leaders going to the Philippines. We had leaders going to the Holland, to, uh, to China, to different nations. We had Nico and Bex here last week. Bringing, in, bringing us news from, uh, from Scotland, what God is doing right there. So Nehemiah was a man who was very keen to, to know what God is doing. He was paying close attention to what's going, what God is doing in Jerusalem. You know, if you're a man of a mission, you know how to identify it, you'll be tuning into what has got to do with your mission. Now let me ask you this question. Are you tuning into the right thing? Are you tuning into what God has put in your heart? Because one of the first strategy of devil is he will try to distract you from your mission and he'll you know, keep you busy with other stuff so that you never get time to tune into what God has called you into. Praise the Lord. And it's very easy as well. When you live in a city like Dubai, it's very easy to, be, to get carried away, to be busy with your life, not paying attention to what God has called you into. But today, God is just giving you a gentle reminder if, see what you're tuning into. Are you concerned about the kingdom of God? Are you looking into what God is doing in the nations and what God has called you, you to do for that? So Nehemiah was a man who was well aware of his mission and he tuned in to the right thing. You know, when you're tuning into the right thing, when you are very focused on your mission, all you need is a little spark. You know, uh, Nehemiah had this spark moment when the people from Jerusalem came and gave him the news. There it started. All you need is a, just a simple spark when you're tuning into the right thing. But if you stay unfocused, if you're not focused on your mission, no matter what you do, you're not, never going to get on track. You know, I was, when I was preparing the message, I was reminded of those olden days back in India, you know. You have these motorbikes, you, 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 you try to get it started, you do everything, you twist it, you turn it, you, you, you kick it 100 times, it doesn't start. <laughs> right? Because you haven't been using it for a while, my friend. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right, so Nehemiah was not disconnected from his mission. He was connected and he was tuning into the right frequency so that when the right spark came, he was ready to start. Amen. So when the spark came, he started. Now that brings me to the next point. You have to understand your season. Because this is very important, church. There are seasons in your life. There are seasons when you sit and pray. There are seasons when you act. So Nehemiah had a season where he was at the palace praying and fasting and spending time in God's presence. And then there came a season in his life when he, he, get in, he got into his mission. 
he waited for the right time. You know, many of you may be going through a phase in your life where, you know, you feel nothing is moving. God has given you this amazing, this amazing vision in your heart. It's, it's, it's consuming you. You're carrying it. And, and whenever you sit down to pray, God, I don't see anything happen, happening. I don't see anything moving. I don't see anything shifting. God is just telling you today that when it is the right time, at the right spark, it's going to start. God is never too late. He's never too early. God doesn't do his thing at your time. He does his thing at his time. Amen. Amen. If you're going through a season of dryness, if you're going through a season of disappointment, despite what God has put in your heart, let me remind you, church, that God is never too late. God has not given up on you. You don't have to be disappointed with yourself because God is just waiting for his time. When it is his time, he's going to give you the favor you need. He's going to open the king's heart for you. He's going to give you that promotion that you need. He's going to open the doors for you so that you can work for the kingdom of God. Amen. So just wait for the right season. When we lead, read later on in the chapter, we see that there's this, there's this certain prophet that walks up to Nehemiah and says, you know what, these people are coming against you. You probably shouldn't be on the field. You should go and hide. You should go and hide yourself. You should go and pray. It's not a time to act. But Nehemiah was a man who was well aware of his mission, who was well aware of the seasons, right? So when the prophecy came to him, he knew that it was not from the Lord. Because he is right now standing in the season of action. And he knows that God wouldn't ask him to go and hide. Because right now it's the season of action. So Nehemiah was so connected to God, he was so connected to the Holy Spirit, that he immediately recognized, it's not my time to hide. It's not the season to hide. When God has put you on a, on, on a play field, when you are on action, when you're on the battlefield, if you get a message or a prophecy of discouragement saying that you're going to die and you're going to be, you know, you, you're going to fail, you have to hide, reject it. Amen. So this man, this prophet comes up to Nehemiah and asks him to go and hide inside the temple of God, which is not allowed. You know how to recognize whether this is the right word from God? Just see how it stands with the written word of God. If you receive a word that is not consistent with the written word of God, there is something wrong with it. When people say that you're going to fail, God told me that you're going to fail. You say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. I'm not going to fail because my God told me the plans I have for you is for good. To give you a future and hope, not to destroy you. That is the written word of God. And now you're telling me you're going to fail. I'm not going to fail. Amen. Who believes it? So Nehemiah understood his calling, his mission, and he understood his season. Right? So that brings me to the next point. So as we, as we read this passage, there was a very interesting part which, which says, in the first part of the, um, of the chapter, he closed all the gaps. Now, this is a very important thing. One of the reasons why many people fail in their mission is because of uh, the gaps that are undealt with. Okay, so Nehemiah was very conscious of all the gaps in the wall. He made sure by the time he finished his mission, all the gaps were closed. Let me tell you something interesting. When you have a wall, when you build a wall, you have a gate, you have a main door, okay? So you apply all your immigration and emigration policies at the main door. This doesn't apply to the gaps in the wall, my friend. Because 
devil never tries to get in through your main doors. He tried to get in through the gaps, right? Because you're, you're very conscious of your gates. You, you know what's coming in through your gates. You, you, you know what's going out of your gate, right? So why would devil come there anyway? See, the enemy got really frustrated with Nehemiah when they saw that there was no gaps left in the wall. Amen. So Nehemiah was careful enough to seal all, um, you know, all the gaps in the wall. When uh, in our life, when we apply this to our life, you have to ask yourself the question, what are the gaps in my wall? It could be an act of unforgiveness. It could be an unforgiveness that I'm holding on to. It could be an addiction. It could be a habit. It could be even an entertainment through which devil smuggles in his stuff into our life. So God is asking you today to understand the gaps in your life. Holy Spirit, if today God is pointing out certain gaps in your life, you have to stand on your knees, ask God, God, I know there's this gap in my life. I don't want, be, I don't want to be ignorant of the gaps in my life. There are two things you could do. Either you can be ignorant of your gaps or you can get out and you know, uh, clear it off. So God wants you to close your gaps, which makes you very vulnerable. Your gaps makes you very vulnerable, despite the mission that you carry in your heart. Amen. So whatever it is today, God is asking you to seal the gap so that he can minister to you. So, so let, let, me, let me put this picture in front of you. So you have Jerusalem, and it, right at the center, you have the temple of God, right? So around the temple of God, the wall is built. Now, when there are gaps in the wall, the enemy could smuggle in through the walls, right? Now, when the wall is sealed, you know what comes out of it? What fills the area inside the temple is what comes out of the temple, which is God's word. Amen. When you seal the ex uh, all, all the gaps in your wall, God would be able to minister to you. But for that, you should be able to identify your gaps and seal it off. Now, the next, the next thing I want to bring to your attention is the importance of staying in your territory. So Nehemiah, one thing that happened to his life is uh, this people, they come to him and, uh, and call him to a place called Ono, right? So this is outside his territory where, where God asked him to build in, in the plains of Ono. Now, if you look at the plains of Ono, it's a land surrounded by the Samaritan and Philistine areas. So when he got this word, he immediately recognized, no, this is not from, the, from God. Because as I told you, he's a man who knew his mission very well. He was a man who had a very close relationship with God. And he understood, no, 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 God, this is my, this is my mission, this is my season, and this is my territory. So he stayed in his territory. He, was, he, didn't, go, he didn't step out of his territory to prove others what he was doing. He stayed in his territory. That is very important. Um, sometimes what happens in our life is God gives us something. And whenever God gives you something, there is always a territory. You know, there is always a boundary. You should, you should make sure, you know, you stay within your boundary. And in this case, in the life of Nehemiah, what was happening is they tried to call him out of his territory to reason with him. You know, to, to, to discuss what God has put in his heart. 
Let me tell you something interesting. The world, no matter how well you explain, they're not going to understand what God has put in your heart. The Sanballats and Tobias are not going to understand, no matter how you put it, the vision that God has put in your heart. That's why when you wake up early in the morning and come here at 6 o'clock and 5 o'clock, and when you decide to give up your luxuries to invest in the kingdom of God, it doesn't make sense to your friends. It doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense uh, to anyone when 25 years ago, my parents decided to step into ministry, giving up their promising careers. They said, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. Your kids are not going to make it. They won't have a good future. But here I stand in front of you, brothers and sisters. God's faithfulness. Praise God. You don't have to convince the world of what God has put in your heart. Your friend may not understand. Your brother may not understand. Your colleague may not understand. But God has called you into greatness. You just embrace it, step into it, and God is going to fight for you. You're not going to do it by yourself. God doesn't pull out anyone and, and, and expect them to do it by their own experience and you know, knowledge and everything. God is going to come through. He would go before you and level the mountains. Amen. That's the God we serve. As Fusi reminded earlier, we don't serve a God who just puts you on a mission and takes his hand off. He goes before you. He goes before you. And he enables you to carry out the mission that he has put in your heart. Amen. Do you believe it? So now, um, the, next, the next thing I want to bring your attention to is, the next factor that could lead to failure is distractions. There are different types of distractions that enemy would try to bring you away. Can we go to the next slide? Right. So enemy tries to, you know, bring up so that he can distract you from your mission. The first one is pride. He manipulates your identity. So... If you ask me, who are you? He doesn't want you to say that I'm a child of God. He would rather be happy if I say I'm an IT professional. Right? He'd be happy if you say you are a CEO. He'll be happy if you say I'm a businessman. He doesn't want you to know or hold on to your identity in Christ. What enemy tried to do is when they called him for a discussion outside his territory, they were trying to manipulate his identity as a governor. You know, you are a governor, and you know, we are people in similar authority, so you have to come and discuss with us. And they didn't see his identity in God. But Nehemiah chose to hold on to his identity in God more than his identity in the world. Now, which one are you holding on to? Which identity do you allow to define the purpose in your life? This is a question I want to ask you this morning. If you hold on to your identity as an IT professional, you'll be doing that all your life. You'll try to make sense out of it. And when you lose your job, your life loses its purpose. But when you hold on to your identity in Christ, God is never going to give up on you. Even when you're old. Even when the world says you're good for nothing, he's not going to give up on you. He's going to still carry you. That's the God that we serve. So enemy, what he tries to do is, he tries to play around with your identity, saying that, no, 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 no. This is more realistic. This, what you're doing here, is more realistic. And that is not. 
You have to make sure today that you hold on to your identity in God. Because that's where the purpose of your life rests. Amen. Because unless you do that, unless you embrace your identity in Christ, you won't embrace the, the purpose for which you were created. Because you are an eternal being placed in a finite world, in a finite time, to do a finite mission that has got eternal consequences. Is it too complicated? <laughs> well, so you are an infinite being placed in the finite world, in a finite time, to do a finite mission that has got eternal consequences. Unless you hold on to your identity in Christ, you won't be able to achieve what God has called you to. Amen. Now, his second strategy is fear. We all come across fear on a daily basis. This devil would come and tell you, no, 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 you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You can't do it. You know, you're too weak for it. God is saying, no, 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 no. It's not about you. It's about me. I have sent you there for my purpose. And I'm going to stand with you. So don't be carried away when devil tells you, you know, it's not going to work out. Because when God has called you on a mission, nothing can stop you. Nothing, absolutely nothing can stop you. Do you believe it, church? I believe God has put City Hill here in Dubai for a great purpose. And when we stand together in faith, when we all embrace that vision that God has put us in, nothing is going to stop us. Nothing is going to stop us. Nothing is going to stop the, the work that we are doing in the nations. When our brothers and sisters are working over there, working hard for the Lord, when we stand with them in faith, I believe that nothing is going to stop it. Because you may be the one who laid the foundation. You may be the one who started the work. But the work belongs to God. He is the one who is working behind the scene. And it is his work. Amen. So don't be afraid. Don't be carried away when devil tries to come and tell you, no, no, no. It's not going to work out. Hold on to the word. So you have two choices, whether to hold on to the word of God or, or, or to you know, listen to the, to the distractive words that devil tries to bring you away. Nehemiah chose to hold on to the word, no matter what happened. You know, he had to face a lot of challenges, a lot of issues, but he held on to the word of God. He, that's how he overcame all the fear. In Bible it says, it, in 365 times it says, don't be afraid. Because it knows that, God knows that, you know, we are human beings and, you know, we are, tend to, you know, get, get, get afraid and we, we could get off the ground by fear. That's why God is telling you today, don't be afraid. Just hold on to your mission. And the last one, as I pointed out earlier, he would manipulate the word of God. So this prophet comes along and he says, you know, you have to do something else. This is not what God has called you into. Church, let me just remind you today. The work, the mission that God has put in your heart cannot be stopped by the evil. Amen. All that you have to do is you have to first know the mission. You have to understand your season. And you, you shouldn't be distracted by all that devil is trying to bring you away. When you hold, hold on to the Lord, when you, uh, when you decide to hold on to the Lord and not to, the, to, not, not to what the world tells you, he's going to take you to the finish line. 
And you're not going to fail. You're not going to fail. Because who has called you is faithful. Amen. And he'll take you to the finish line. How many of you believe it? Amen. Let's give, let's give God a shout of praise. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. 